Morning, everyone. Uh, you've joined us partway through our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And I wanted to take us back to the uh, chapter in Galatians where the fruit of the Spirit are listed. And uh, so in Galatians 5, it reads this. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then it goes on and lists the acts of the flesh. But then it goes on that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So Christians, not only, as we declared in our second song, we not only have God as our Father, and uh, we don't only believe in Christ Jesus the Son, but also that we have the Holy Spirit as our power. And so if we are walking by the Spirit, or being led by the Spirit, or keeping in step with the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit will grow in our lives. It's a bit of a weird image, isn't it? that the uh, virtues of love and joy and peace and so on are called fruit. And so what does it mean for these virtues to be fruit? Uh, Well, when my kids were younger, we had these series of uh, kids' books. And uh, the image that was used through these books was that there's an invisible tree, an invisible tree growing inside us. And on this invisible tree... Uh, The Holy Spirit works to grow the fruit of love and of joy, as we heard last week. And our focus for today is peace. And so for you, if you do you want the Holy Spirit to work powerfully in your life? Well, if you're following the Spirit's leading, what should be happening? What should be happening is the fruit of the Spirit should be growing on your invisible tree. And so let's hear again the word of the Lord and see how peace can grow on our invisible tree. From our second Bible reading, the fruit of of peace grows on our invisible tree as we make every effort to live in peace with everyone. As we follow this instruction, the spirit grows the peace, the fruit of peace inside us and among us as God's people. But what does that mean? What does that look like? What does it mean to live at peace with everyone? Well, you know, when we think of peace, we think of something that there's, you know, there's no war around. It's kind of what we think of with peace. But if peace was merely the absence of war, then all we'd need to do is just not fight with one another, which most of the time we can manage. You know, think of a war type example when the Taliban retook Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, the US and her allies withdrew. The war was over. But you'd hardly call what's happening in Afghanistan peace. And in our relationships, you know, you might uh, have two people and, you know, they're very civil towards one another. They say hello when they pass each other at church. But if deep down they hate each other's guts, then there's no peace. For in the Bible... 
Peace is not just the absence of war, but it's the presence of something. The word for peace is used when uh, something is whole or complete or all is well. And so I have some Duplo here. Can you tell which gender my daughters are? Um, But look, it's all fragmented and broken. And so to bring peace to the Duplo set, I need to restore it to make it whole. I had more luck with the working bee yesterday. (laughs) Here we go. And so now it's at peace. It's at peace. That's how the word is used. And so it's got some funny uses in the Bible. So, for example, Job chapter 5 says, You know that your tent is secure. That's the word for peace used. Uh, you will, uh, you'll, you'll, uh, so you will know that your tent is secure. You will take stock of your property and find nothing is missing. So Job's tent is at peace when everything is complete, when there's nothing missing. Or when Moses is told to clear the backlog, backlog of disputes and appoint judges, uh, in, to, to deal with all the cases, his father-in-law says, if you do this, and God uh, so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Again, the word for peace is used there. They will go home at peace because they've had their disputes settled. Or back in our Genesis series, when Jacob sends Joseph out to see how his brothers are doing at the very start of that story, uh, Jacob said to him, to Joseph, go and see if all is well with your brothers and the flocks and bring word back to me. All is well, that's the concept of peace. That's the word peace used. And so do your brothers have peace? Are their flocks at peace? Are they well? And so peace is the presence of completeness or wholeness or well-being. That's what peace is, the presence of completeness or wholeness or well-being. And couldn't we all do with a little peace around here? Because instead of, oh, go back one, instead of uh, completeness and wholeness and well-being, our society is fragmented and divided over so many issues. And that's played out with, uh, with riots and strikes this week. For many of us individually, our lives are not whole. There's a restlessness or turmoil, turmoil within ourselves. We're often not at peace with our inner thoughts. We don't experience that completeness that we'd all like to have. And there is sometimes little peace in our relationships. Hasn't COVID brought out the worst in some of our relationships as we've had to uh, deal with one another in close quarters. And it's been so sad to see, even in this church, that we've had to deal with abuse between spouses, abuse between parents and children, children and parents. We've had to deal with uh, gossip spreading about people and other things that have brought down peace between each other. And in this concept of peace, uh, Katie and I have just finished watching The Queen's Gambit TV show about a genius chess player, Beth Harmon. Uh, it's set in the 60s, and so there is the Cold War between the US and the Soviets. And about halfway through the series, Beth has a, a serious downward spiral. 
You know, she's going heavy on, on pills and alcohol. Uh, she's ignoring her friends and her relationships. And she's not doing what she's supposed to be doing to further her chess career. And that picture just struck me that that is the opposite of peace. There's no wholeness here. There's disorder and turmoil and strife in her life. And so maybe for our lives, maybe uh, maybe there's a window missing. Or maybe it's a whole section of the roof that has come off. There may be things in our lives that just aren't bringing us peace, that hamper our completeness. And so what do we do? Well, so often we just try and make the peace ourselves. We try and create it for ourselves. If there's chaos or disorder in our lives, we can try to gain peace for ourselves. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's trying the new breathing technique. Or maybe, oh, if, if I just get my garden in order, at least I've got, you know, a tranquil place to be. Or, uh, I've got this holiday I'm looking forward to where I can just get away from it all. And they're all good things, but they can only give us temporary peace. Because when we come home or when we uh, come alongside that person, the problems are still there. We have little success in achieving peace, wholeness, completeness for ourselves. But the good news is, into the disorder into the turmoil, into the hostility, comes a promise from God. We saw it in our first reading, which we so often read at Christmas time. God's word came through the prophet Isaiah. And God says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So what we can't do, God says he can. The child born, the son given, is called Prince of Peace. And his peace will not end. Now we're celebrating this child's birth. At Christmas, Jesus of Nazareth is the Prince of Peace. And as he grows up and as he speaks to his disciples, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. See that Jesus has his own peace. He is peace himself. Because he has wholeness. He has complete peace, particularly with his relationship with God. The key to peace is having peace with God. And Jesus has this peace with God. He is at one with the Father. And Jesus brings that peace to us. And so we see in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, at one point we did not have peace with God because we failed to live at peace with him. We chose not to worship him, not to praise him, not to thank him, but to strive to live all ourselves. 
But Jesus justifies us. He declares us not guilty of sin. And so our relationship with God is restored. It is made whole. And if something is made whole, it is at peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't grasp this peace for ourselves. We need to receive it as a gift from God through Jesus. And when you have this peace, when you have peace with God, then you can have peace in your life in two ways. If you have peace with God, he gives you peace within yourself. And so, you know, it's so hard for us to have inner peace because we forget that peace with God is the big thing. When things disturb our peace in life, then we try to strive and grasp peace for ourselves. This is probably more true of the little things in life. You know, if there's something, a, if there's a big thing that ruins our wholeness, uh, then, you know, then we'll kind of be forced to turn to the Lord. We've got, we've got no other option. But sometimes it's the little things that ruin our wholeness and our well-being peace. So little disturbances. You know, it's you go to the shops and the present you want to buy is sold out. Or the fuel light comes on the car and then you look up and petrol prices have just suddenly jumped 20 cents. Or we stumble over our words during an important pitch to a client. All these little things can rob us of our peace. And so even in these little moments... We need to strive not to grasp peace ourselves, but to seek the peace that God brings. And so we're told, God says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what's the promise? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, These are famous verses. Here's what Christian author Jerry Bridges says about them, about these verses. The result promised to us when we come to God in prayer and thanksgiving is not deliverance. Then your problem isn't necessarily solved, but the promise is peace, the peace of God. One of the reasons we don't find this peace is because all too often we will not settle for anything other than deliverance from the trouble. But God promises us peace, a peace, sorry, mistyped, a peace which is unexplainable. He transcends all understanding and it will guard your hearts and minds against the anxiety to which you and I are so prone. So we're saying that we want deliverance from things that are hard. We just want the thing taken away, that problem taken away. But instead, God offers peace to us. God's curious in his ways, isn't he? He offers peace to us in the hard circumstances. And so we can, even when big things or little things we're going through, we can trust that although the situation may be bad, we can have wholeness with God. Our relationship with God is complete The thing that matters most 
is all sorted. And so from God, not from having our problem fixed, but from God, we can have peace. I counted six times in the New Testament that God is described as the Prince of Peace. Sorry, he is the God of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. God is the God of peace. You know, he is, he is whole. He is complete within himself. And so the Apostle Paul prays, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And so will you let him? Will you ask him in prayer for this peace? Your problem may not be solved, but you can still have the peace that comes from the God of peace. Because if you have peace with God, he gives you peace within yourself. And also, if you have peace with God, he gives you peace with others. This is the great outcome of peace with God. God has one Peace between himself and us through Christ. And his work isn't finished. God works in his people to be people of peace. Uh, The big example of this was back in the first century. Uh, The big hostility, the big incompleteness was the divide between Jew and Gentile. In society, that was the big, uh, big divide. Kind of like back in a... Uh, in America, the big divide was kind of white and black. Back uh, in the first century, it was Jew and Gentile. But through the cross, Jesus brings peace. Do I have Ephesians 2? I'm not sure I do. No, left it off. I'll read it to you. Uh, Jesus says, uh, about Jesus we read, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. See what happened there? There was these two groups hostile towards one another. But God's purpose was to make them complete, make them whole. And he did it through the cross of Christ. Jew and Gentile are now restored at peace with one another because Jesus has brought them peace with God. And so God brings peace. He's in the business of bringing peace between people. And so he calls us to make every effort to live in peace with everyone. This is the fruit of peace that the Holy Spirit will grow on our invisible tree, living in peace with one another. Because going back to Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit includes peace, but the acts of the flesh include hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. All those are the opposite of living at peace with everyone. But if you are led by the Spirit, if you know the peace of God, then God says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Or let us make every effort to do what leads to peace. Or from Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And from our reading today, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. Now again, this is not just the absence of conflict in our relationships, but the presence of wholeness, of completeness, of well-being in our relationships, both within our families or who we're living with, but with our church family as well. And so it's not about, it's not about sweeping any disagreements under the rug. That doesn't lead to peace. You think of, uh, think of at home with, with a rug. If you sweep a cat under a rug, it's going to get really angry. It's going to bolt out and cause all havoc. Same if we sweep disturbances, disagreements under the rug. The inner turmoil can build up and explode at any time. But doing what is needed to bring wholeness to that relationship, that's what we're called to do. Even if it means bringing up a point of conflict so it can be dealt with. Uh, The fruit of peace grows on your invisible tree as you seek to bring that completeness of relationship with others. And so as a church, as we are brothers and sisters in Christ, there's still plenty of room for us to grow in peace with one another so that we don't see any just little rivalries in church or we don't have that, that envy towards others that have it better than you, that we have no abuse or selfishness or hatred among God's people here. And so what can we do to make every effort to live at peace with one another? Well, some brief thoughts. Firstly, remember remember that you have peace with God together. If the other person is a brother or sister in Christ then you have complete peace with God, a complete relationship with God. We belong to God and we belong to one another. And if we remember that, that will help us grow in peace. But then, secondly, take responsibility for your part in the issue. Whatever's going on between you and the other person, whether we are at 5% fault or we are at 95% fault, We need to acknowledge our part in any discord rather than just flat out blaming the other person. For some of us, our pride makes this very difficult to think that that might be be any fault in me. So we need to take responsibility for our part in the issue. And then, in that spirit of, of humility, take the initiative to restore peace. This is the big challenge for me because often I think, well, if I, you know, if I enter into this, then that'll, that'll cause angst in me. I'd just rather just let it be and see what happens. But instead, we're to have the strength to have the difficult conversation to, res- to resolve issues, to restore that completeness. Even if you think you're less at fault, God calls you to make every effort. You be the one 
to take the initiative to restore peace. And finally, and this one's key, remember that only God can bring peace. Both you and the other person needs your heart to change and God is the one who changes hearts. And so pray that the Spirit will grow the fruit of peace in your heart and in their heart. Rely on God to bring about peace as you strive for it. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we remember that God is our peace and that Jesus brings a peace that will never end, let's pray for the Spirit to be at work in our hearts in this church so that peace may grow on our invisible tree.